I think the, the, it doesn't make so much sense to use a Mac from the 80s if you are not in an art installation, I think. And, uh, you know, but it, it makes a perfect sense, uh, you know, you, you understand me, but it makes perfect sense to sit in a 2021 version of Afratovia Scarpa or Soriana armchair design in the 69 and the revolution of the things. Then I think the timing of, the timing of products is a bit longer. Then is, we have to understand that it, I think we have to defend as in music, you know, a classical opera or a, a piece or, or something. We have to reproduce in the right way or we have to come on, grow with them. It's, it's a very interesting thing, I think. I want a new generation that can appreciate those icons and uh, in the case of, my work with Casina, for example, is part of our work. It's, it's beauty, it's interesting. Hi, I'm Dan Rubenstein, and this is The Grand Tourist. I've been a journalist for nearly 20 years, most recently as the Home and Design Director at Departures Magazine. And this is my personalized guided tour through the worlds of fashion, art, architecture, food, and travel, all the elements of a well-lived life. It's hard to imagine what the world of contemporary design would look like without the influence of my guest today, Patrizia Urquiola. Since starting her own studio in Milan in 2001, she has left an indelible mark on design. In a world dominated by men and a kind of dour seriousness, Urquiola arrived in the scene with works that embraced color without being garish, organic curves without being impractical, and a sense of friendliness that is anything but silly or frivolous. Not only is Urquiola a woman, but her Spanish roots are evident everywhere in her work. Today, her firm designs products for the home, from beds to cookware, as well as interiors and architecture for everything from yachts and hotels to luxury watch showrooms and museum installations. Her client list is a who's who of the most progressive and demanding brands, including Moroso, Floss, Quadrant, BMW, Boeing, Louis Vuitton, Missoni, Manor and Oriental Hotels, Four Seasons, Marriott, Starbucks, Ferrari, and Swarovski. In 2015, she was named art director of the legendary Italian design brand, Casina. More on that later, while continuing work on her own practice. But first, a fair warning. If you haven't had your coffee yet today, pause the podcast and take two shots of espresso before continuing. You can't be as prolific in the world of design as Patrizia Urquiola is without having metric tons of energy. I chatted with the master herself from her studio in Milan. Tell me about your your early life. How, what was that like? <laughs> well, um, Oviedo, where I come from, is a city in the north of Spain, nearby to the Atlantic side. Then I'm not Mediterranean. Important thing to say, mm. because you know this north of Spain, uh, where was the the Cantabrian Sea, which is part of the Atlantic, um, is is a very powerful place. You know, with a a kind of um, changing weather. You know where where um, climatic um, arguments are always in in, in in our conversation and uh, I think it's important to, to explain I, I think I, I was I, I speak a lot now and I when I was young and little I didn't speak uh, quite nothing my mother was saying I was like a little animal in the back of blah 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 always with short hairs because I was always moving too much and then going somewhere or doing something and getting dirt or or doing something that they didn't know well and and playing with my dollhouse which was a dollhouse with a with a rationalist uh, 
attitude, not Victorian. That was my mother getting these kind of things in that period. You had a modernist dollhouse. <laughs> yes, yes. It was <laughs> green, green in, in uh, pea, you know, this color and with terraces, uh, with um, a flat roof. Very, very interesting. And then this, uh, what I, I remember that was nice that when I was already, I think, a, teen- a teenager, no, I, I decided to be an architect. That is, I, that I remember. And uh, my brothers, I think they, they, they were all saying I would be this or that. And me, I had this idea. I don't know, perhaps it was obviously a kind of young idea of what could be i want because i was good in maths and i wanted to do something creative architecture for me was um, something with a big a interesting you you were you actually you trained under some of the the greatest masters of 20th century design like castiglione and magistretti um what was it like working working for them what did you feel you you learned from that generation of of post-war um product designers from, from Italy at the time. Last rationalist, no? and uh, quite magic rationalist, which is a very interesting uh, uh, double <laughs> word because normally, you know, this magic side is difficult to, to, to connect and to, and, to, and to use with the, when you're speaking about rationalism. And I think uh, I, I had the luck in uh, moving from, uh, I think Politecnico in Madrid was re- really interesting too because you, you have to imagine that me, I'm a generation that was the one um, after um, after Franco. Then when I was young, he died. Then Spain, all Spain, it was, you know, with like Almodovar told me, we, we all were doing a kind of evolution, evolving in an incredible way. The, the, a kind of idea of getting each of us a new, a new freedom. That then when you, you get a bit older, you understand this concept of freedom is a bit more complex, <laughs> almost. But, but you know, the, the idea no, that you could you know, kill the mother, kill the father, that was, you know, this idea that was super important. And uh, possibly part of my attitude was moving to somewhere else uh, because was not enough. Uh, no, so my comfort zone was too much comfort zone. Then I needed to move to an uncomfort zone. And I think uh, coming so young to Milano, that happened to me because in some way I had to readapt. I was in a place where, you know, things were a bit more complex uh, uh, because I, I was in any case, I'm a woman and I was a Spanish studying, uh, student in university. I was one of the few ones. I could, then was, uh, uh, you had to, to, to find a way you know, to adapt you know, to the circumstances and was very interesting, I think. Was it hard to be a, a young designer in the 90s when there were so many masters still present? Do you know what I mean? Was it hard to compete against? Well, I think perhaps the, the you know, daughters and sons were more uh, with this kind of, the generation of, of daughters and sons, Ital- Italian ones. I think me coming as, as a foreigner and uh, coming from this, as I was saying to you, uh, post-Frankist uh, uh, new generation, we were really, really, really open, really open. I uh, I think uh, it's very important how you... you comes the education no? through your life is is uh, how now we are all thinking about our, our children and adolescents and young people to to make them understand this has been something that we have to learn a lot what is happening from what is happening but at the same time we we have to understand that we've been suffering a lot and then we have to to grow we do, to do a kind of passage a new passage to to, to grow through to this uh, circumstance you know then i think me i was a bit helped from that side I don't know. Perhaps yes. Perhaps not. I perhaps I, I try. 
Yes, I imagine like this. And there was even uh, Fiorucci. We don't have to forget Fiorucci. Eh? Fiorucci, uh, no. Fiorucci was, but I was, you know, uh, it was the, the, the concept of street life uh, coming through anything, through the way of thinking, mm. the way of... Uh, it was very interesting, I think. It's been... Uh, it's been um, there were many other circumstances that they born partially in Milano. I think that the street wear and this thing that which today I think is a very um, an element which is very important to understand many things and how we are evolving. And when you first started your your own studio in 2001, uh, what was the first the first piece you designed that that went into you know production? What was the first thing that you that you remember as your your first real project having your own studio? Uh, allora, own studio, which is, uh, I opened the own studio in um, a certain moment when I was uh, getting into the 2000, into the millennium. Then I think for me it was a change of, uh, a moment of change important. And uh, when I opened the studio, I had already done um, a collection of um, armchairs with uh, Sunsu Kim, a, a friend that was a girl working with me uh, in the studio of uh, Piero Lissoni. Uh, that was a very nice experience too. Uh, for example, there I can tell you in, in the last 90s, I was, because I was speaking, telling you more my period in the 80s, but in the 90s we have to remember that, for example, working with Piero, there was a strong relation with Giulio Capellini. And in that period, he, Giulio had a moment of uh, giving a very uh, strong new attitude to, to be open to designers not from Italy, you know, to understanding the... the, the Giulio, yes, Giulio Capellini, who, who has his own uh, furniture brand, Capellini, known for... Uh, he made rock stars out of many young designers, both uh, Italian and not Italian. Yes, and and making them became uh, part of the Italian design system, but uh, adapting uh, adopting them and coming from other countries, then enlarging the the page. I think Julio uh, had this enormous, uh, uh, fantastic view that he he make grow the system, but uh, being even more um, open to to the world, having a, um, an enlarged point of view. I think then when I opened the studio, you think. Uh, I have done this work in between before opening the studio. When I opened the studio, I think the help was uh, Patricia Moroso. Moroso was another company, was a company that was in uh, Udine, was not uh, uh, part of uh, the, the Lombardia or, the, or the, the, the place where Milano is, not from this region, is from another region of the north of Italy. But there was a woman with, a, in a moment, very, very open-minded to, um, as Giulio Capellini was saying to you before, and uh, uh, she was... Finding conversation with uh, with no so with with different person and and um, I had the luck to make her see uh, a little prototype of a kind of filter in a filter bag I've done with a filter prototype of a kind of sofa with movements that I thought nobody will listen to me and uh, was done for another company but uh, but someone. It was done for another company that don't say the name because it was a little company, nothing a nice name, but was and 
a friend of me saw the piece and said, I want to show it to, to Patricia. Then uh, uh, there was this connection with Patricia Moroso and then they, they, they said, we do it. Then I began to work. Uh, and then my, perhaps my first pieces with her, they gave me, they gave me, they put me on the spot. They put me, they gave me a voice and I, I really say thanks. I go to this person that believed in me at my beginning. Before we return to our program, I'd like to thank our sponsor, B&B Italia, a leader in luxury designer furniture. Founded in 1966, the company stands out for its representation of contemporary culture and for its research and innovation, which has allowed the brand to create products with unique style and elegance. The brand is a fruitful partnership between the company's research and development center in Northern Italy and the best international design professionals. The iconic products of B&B Italia radically mark the history of design. The brand has so many legendary pieces, and there's one to fit every personality. If I had to suggest an icon of B&B Italia to Patrizia Urquiola, I wouldn't have to think that hard. I would suggest her own design, the crinoline armchair. This outdoor chair combines a rigid structure named after the undergarments of women's dresses in the 1800s and combines that with a graphic floral motif that's become iconic. Speaking of icons, which one is right for your personality? Visit bebitalia.com for more information. In 2015, she joined Cassina as art director and was recently renewed in her role. What makes Cassina so interesting to me in the context of Patrizia Urquiola is that it produces both contemporary pieces as well as 20th century icons from the likes of Charles Rennie Mackintosh, Charlotte Perriand, my own coffee table, Frank Lloyd Wright, and Le Corbusier. While she's a keen defender of the classics, she's also got her work cut out for her with the brand that has to evolve in the 21st century with things like sustainability and the new post-pandemic reinvention of the world of home and work. And to those listeners that are not familiar with uh, Cassina, how do you describe the brand to them? If you meet someone for the first time, has never heard of Cassina before, what, what would you say, how do you describe this legendary brand? Bueno, pues Cassina is a, is a company with an immense uh, heritage, a pioneer company in design and uh, launching design, intentional design in Italy during the, the 50s. And uh, now has an archive, for example, of 600 pieces, just to make understand. It's a company, sure, it's uh, 600 pieces, which is um, fantastic. It's something you can get lost. Uh, and <laughs> and it's fun, but, uh, really, really um, a big thing. It's a company that has always had a strong will to, to research and innovate, which is another thing very important to say. In each uh, decade was really innovating strongly and working with architects always and designers as well as re-edition design icons. And uh, so I think Asina's uh, identity so would be let's say it's all, even strongly linked to, to technological skill and craftsmanship too. Then it's a, a company very interesting from this thing and with almost 100 years of history. We, we are going to arrive to the 100 um, years in very short time and we did the, the 90 anniversary. That was a very important moment a few years ago. Uh, then I hope we're still and, able to innovate. And with Casino, that also has, like many of the the, the great um, design brands, has both n- completely new products, but also uh, re-editions and, and um, classic pieces that have been produced years ago. Um, 
is there uh, is there a particular designer um, in the archive that Casina still pre- still produces that you that is your favorite or that ones that one that you identify with personally as a designer? I think uh, the work of uh, I would not say one piece, but I would say the work of Charlotte Perriand. I think, because um, she came inside with her energy of her work with uh, Le Corbu and uh, Jeanneret, but I think we discover in the time uh, the, the big energy of um, the, her interpretation uh, very, I think, really really interesting of nature and materials and things. I think uh, she's been... A... And when, when you, when someone uh, is looking at a piece of furniture that you have designed, how how do you think someone can identify a chair or something and say ah like that's a urkiola piece what are the essential qualities i'm going to say what i'm going to say to you is comunque in any case different than what people do you know we know always that the perception okay. no i want to hear your opinion yes no yes it's what i say no i think the perception of myself i i've been always very open to listen very different uh, and so people that they were taking an energy of something of me that perhaps I didn't even perceive so well, or they were perceiving as interesting one part. Then is is is. Uh, but from me, Alora, me, I, I think in in as as first thing, surely I think uh, I try that what I do is a kind of in between um, an experimental approach to matter and uh, research. But at the same time, I'm always trying to to do a kind of you know, so to interpretate uh, with an intuitive uh, in an intuitive way uh, a kind of the, the collective taste uh, that's putting together you know this um, experimental side but um, always connected with an intuitive attitude to understand what I think is is part of the um, my idea of collective taste I think that is for me important when I'm trying to do something I think in an another thing could be you know, so for example for me searching always a kind of mental comfort in in the user and uh, trying to adapt and we're always curious of what can be new behaviors then uh, you know to be to have a mental comfort in relation with something you do means that you are understanding or you are trying to understand what is the way behaviors change another thing I think is for me is important in my work is uh, trying to do empathic travels with the people I'm working then I'm a person that I know people come in to me or say it's a new company they say no but we know you even if you don't know that technology or that kind of approach of this company, you are going to be very open to, to do a, a work together. Then it's, for me, it's important that they come understanding that for me. And uh, I think if I look... Part of my process, mental process, many times is connected with my own Madeleine, you know, my Prussian Madeleine, then working through my analogies and emotional memory shortcut circuits that I have, then uh, that I think uh, put in my, my, my approach to culture, uh, my, my own culture, uh, and emotional elements which are in my memory, they, they, they come through and they tuck, they come out in, in many projects, and well, this is how I can explain my my approach. And I don't know if these things you see when you see them, perhaps you are only, you only get interest because you put your perception as is part of you, the way you can understand another one. Then perhaps you, you like of this, uh, not so my attention to uh, or calls. Or, I don't know. It's not important for me. This is my way. Yeah. Speaking of, speaking of energy, there's a lot of uh, focus now in, in the world of design on the outdoors, 
and the outdoor um, outdoor furniture, living outdoors, cooking <laughs> cooking outdoors, especially now, uh, it was popular. It was becoming more popular before, but especially now with the pandemic, even more so. Um, how is what has been your outlook on on designing for for the outside? I begin to have no more energy. <laughs> I say, but I think uh, coming from Atlantic, we go to the beginning. That's a good thing. You know, we can connect yeah. circularity. I think is one of the words that is helping us to think. No, the circularity with our conversation. I am Atlantic, and I come from a place where where I think the conditions when you were inside or outside were changing a lot. No, then when you are out, outdoors, you are not inside the, the like in the museum of uh, Olafur, you know, then you you cannot create your own world and control it when you are outside. The, the, your relation with all the, the, the climatic elements which are part of our world are much more present. It's not only, it's a nature in a very large way with, with it's not only it's physical, it's the way we, we breathe, the way we, we have the, 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 the breath and the, the wind, the wind, it's not only the sun that is modifying the materials you are using and then in some way, as an Anthropocene, we find a way to do um, in a much more protective way the, pro- the, the materials for doing a, a product that can resist outdoors. At the same time, we learn that possibly we have to find a way more, more um, I think, better metrics to understand all this. Then I think even in that um, argument, which is just speaking about outdoor pieces, um, what I learned in the last years, how to do them more resistant, more resilient, because they are, uh, in, in the condition I was saying to you, they are even related directly with uh, any kind of uh, natural element. But at the same time, I think more and more, the conversation have to move to to, to make them possibly through all the new te- technologies or biotechnologies, how to make them resilient, but in a way which is different as perhaps we were conceiving in our material world. And I think uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of homeworks even for outdoor, I think. Uh, I think outdoors is, is, a, is part of, uh, is, I think, I hope we can live, work, and do a lot of things outdoor uh, as human beings and in, in relation and more connected with all the other species when we could then be, because you are, you are in a less controlled uh, environment, and what I think uh, is a beautiful thing. And then we have to learn how to do the, the tools for living in a, in, a, in a better way than interesting argument. And how do you, when you mentioned you have to understand um, the, sort of the collective taste and you have to kind of create something that is both new but also recognizable that pushes boundaries but not too much. Uh, how do you, is that, is that fair? Is that, is that what you mean? I think it's not pushing boundaries not too much because you don't know, you never know when you do a product which is going to be introduced. You know, I, I always we like to say to others how much brave are the people defending companies that have a certain co- quality with this a process of one two three years sometimes doing because you are doing molds you are doing many things and then you introduce them then people have to understand they have to go in the market and then it's not like even fashion that perhaps you, you don't understand what is in this moment and then perhaps you immediately you have a response which is good or, or dramatic but in, in our way of doing if if you are not understanding something or you are not you are not connected uh, perhaps you, you understand that it's not working after two or three years then it's the 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 the, the, the 
the dark side of the of the of your work come out uh, in a more slow way then um how to give that's, that's and you're saying that just because uh it, to people that don't know the in your world, it takes three years to, to produce a piece, essentially. Well, in some way, from my um, from the scratch, from the idea, uh, yes. till I, I see if the idea was working well, or is, sometimes it's for years, two years, one year. It's a lot of time. One year only for for, for producing the thing and in pro- introducing. Right. And then six months, minimum two years, like, then minimum. Then uh, really, yeah. in some way... So you can't do anything too trendy, because if you do... Do, nothing too trend focused because by the time it actually is sold in a in a showroom or uh, arrives in someone's home, it's three years later. The three or four three or four trends have come and gone. Before we return to Patrizia Urquiola, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Artemist. Artemist is the world's fastest growing online retail destination for exclusive Italian luxury design, decor, lighting, and gifts. Founded in 2015, Artemist celebrates and preserves authentic Italian craftsmanship by providing a global platform for over 1,000 independent producers, designer makers, and artisans, and features thousands of exclusive products. The unparalleled online edit you find on Artemist includes the most extraordinary Italian makers, for which the country is world-renowned. Design lovers and casual shoppers alike can search through more than 50,000 items, and you can take a closer look with multimedia content, such as 360-degree views, videos, and detailed descriptions of each maker's history and specialized techniques. Listeners of The Grand Tourist can enjoy 10% off at Artemist with code THEGRANDTOURIST. That's one word. So visit Artemis.com for more information. That's A-R-T-E-M-E-S-T dot com. It's impossible for me to neglect the idea of color in your work, which has been so influential in our world, but also never forced looking. Is this something that you you did naturally or was it more of an intentional choice? No, no, I think uh, I'm not chromophobic at all. <laughs> but I, what I think is, for me, color is one of the elements like, of uh, in the approach to something you are uh, to this. And for me, but you know, color for me, but even uh, in the moment, um, is one of the elements that I think they are part of how you can interact in a process for doing something. But I, what I like is when we have a prototype. Many times, uh, um, it's not exactly the concept of color, but is the the um, the energy of the surfaces. You have to understand how much you want to to be abstract in the way of using them, or, or how much for you can be a, a value. Uh, the power of color, because I, uh, when you do something and then you apply color, and a color comes into this project. Not all the projects they are connected to color in my mind, but you or the color or the material is done with a kind of surface that uh, um, reflects or have absorbed a lot of the light. And then the way that the material, the matericity of this play of this piece. Can be um, important, you know, and, and create a relation with color, but can change a lot the first idea. Then is an element that is really unsubordinate. When when arrives the color into a piece, um, change a lot even the the energy and. Um, in some way, me, I'm an architect too. Then, for example, the idea of um, getting the energy for, for, from a piece and getting that color and getting into the into the room. It's, it's an, an exercise we have done in the last uh, uh, showroom, in the last uh, presentation we 
we are doing in this moment. And uh, because I, I wanted to celebrate Vico Magistretti in the centenary that uh, in this moment, centenary plus one year, but it's been uh, uh, finally dedicated to an, an exhibition to him in uh, in Triennale and people can come and, and, and visit it. And But th- when they come to Casina, a place where I'm working as a direction, I wanted that the pieces we, we produced with him, they were giving energy to, to, to the place. Then that happened in, in the main room. And then the color was um, one instrument. I think it's a very interesting instrument if you if you have a natural approach to it. But the color, when you change the light in the room or you take out the, the uh, or close a window or you, you change, you, the color change. Then uh, color must be something that uh, uh, is a, a very mutable and interesting argument for me. Like, you know, it's not always, you know, something fixed. Uh, as many times that when it speaks of, of color, color for me is, is a, is a path. It's, it's a lot of, a lot of, uh, it's a long, uh, uh, and, 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 and temporal element. Very interesting. You started your education studying architecture and the practice today includes a lot of interior design and sonography and things like that. Does your ability to do both large and small scale work make you better at either? For me, it's, um, uh, it's been absolutely connected. Then I don't know if uh, uh, can be, for me, it's been absolutely um, necessary, the, the, these two things uh, connected. Uh, I think mostly of the ideas that come from design, the many times is because I am, uh, it's not, you know, I awake in the morning and things come to my mind. I think the creativity and the, the idea as the, the, the first concept, they come from a need of something that you, and then I create my needs uh, doing architecture, the, the needs of things to resolve in that way. They make me uh, try to say that we, we're still not having this kind of things and can we do like this? Or for example, I'm a person that uh, if I go to, to visit a company as a designer, happened to me many times, I got to be very critical in the relation to the way they do an exhibition or the way they have the space. Then uh, after a while, if it's a co- a company that we are good, we make a, a, a nice relation because that doesn't that hasn't have to to happen always. But if it happens, uh, they they say, "Oh, they do it. Do it. You you do the, the exhibition, or you do or you do the space." Because and then that create um, a lot of the design create need of architecture. Then in my in my work, uh, I don't know if it's make me better interior, but for me, it's completely interconnected. And then I. I think I like in the studio when uh, comes an interior designer no, or an architect and then they are in a work interconnected with my uh, someone which is just a designer because not all the studio has my my point of view or my attitude or my way of thinking like this. Then I like to make them, I always make them interact a lot. Then I, and, uh, and if they approach this well, I feel very comfortable with this kind of person. Perhaps they are solving more the, the design because they are young and they are in this moment more with a more capacity for that thing. But if they understood the whole project in from the architecture, I need that they understand. And for me, it's, uh, this change of a scale uh, is very helpful for living and is uh, very interesting for, for the process for me. Mm. Before we return to our program, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Frete. For more than 160 years, Frete has brought comfort to the homes of the world with masterfully crafted linens of unparalleled quality. More than 500 European royal families have slept beneath the sheets of Frete, not to mention more than 1,500 luxury hotels around the world. 
The new spring summer collection is inspired by the iconic scenes of the Italian summer. Bright saffron, radiant peach rose, as well as a classic navy blue. Call to mind the lemons of the Amalfi Coast, the coastlines of Portofino, and the deep blue seas of Sardinia. This summer, I'm sure you're venturing outdoors for your very own grand tour of rejuvenation, and maybe even enjoying a podcast or two. Aside from yours truly, I might suggest another companion for your time under the sun, the new Lido Beach Capsule Collection from Frete. This stylish trio of must-haves contains a beach bag, towel, and cushion, and is made from a super soft terry cloth that comes in three colors, saffron, navy, my personal favorite, and slate gray. All three coordinate perfectly together for any grand location, the French Riviera, Miami Beach, or just poolside. Visit frete.com for more information. That's F-R-E-T-T-E dot com for more. And, and do you feel as a designer more responsibility for, in today, in 2021, more responsibility for designing products that are environmentally sustainable? Obviously, that is, I think it's not anymore a question, eh, Capito. There is, the good the good news is not anymore a question. That is not you. You don't have to, to suffer for that. Even I have a past, as everyone. I, I will be, I, everyone will like to be young and begin their life now, eh, Capito. <laughs> I think, uh, mm-hmm. but this, I think, is a human condition. Uh, but I think, uh, uh, I, I, I think uh, we had a kind of short sighted uh, myopia and so uh, associated point of view of what would mean it to be in the world and uh, we we understood many things that we don't have to get dramatic we have to understand already many things are on the on the plate are clear and then we have only go on and try to to work with the, with the, with the, with the, with awareness and the, the attitude we have now then a lot of it's not only as a designer it is from the morning when i open the, the the water from a tub or when I it is it's an everyday an argument and for example as always they are artists I always think that we have to look at uh, the presence of artists uh, a person that they are uh, giving us the energy uh, to 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 approach these things with the, the lightness or with the, the good energy as for example in this moment Olafur Eliasson which is an uh, artist that I uh, I had the luck to know but it's a person that I respect incredibly, and he's doing now in a, in a Fondation Bayeler, a place in Basel, in in, in Switzerland. Uh, it's a, it's a, with a very nice, interesting building that has a uh, by Renzo Piano, and and outside was there was a kind of little lagoon, you know, a, a, a plate of water, and and he said uh, needed to speak even with with uh, ask the, the the how Renzo Piano could say the, he can do or not because he was asking to the director to get inside with this lagoon inside the, the museum as you know nature gets inside our life in the in the in the places you know the white rooms where we are our museums and get with a uh, put in a color which is a color of contrast that all the uh, working with uh, biologists and and um, a green color that they put in, in when you want to to understand which are the new new lives or or you have to um, do i don't know the cultivars we said um, 
when you you use this kind of green color because it detects um, more the presence of new life. Then this green color get inside the place with all these bacteria, lichen things, plants getting through this water with the humidity, with all the density of life. And the name is life and it's getting inside the place. When you get through the passerelles inside the museum, you get through this energy. And then to understanding all this, we have to, has to permeate our, our mind. I think it's a beautiful thing. Echo. Uh, today there is the reopening of uh, the secondary, the second moment when uh, an exhibition uh, with the name Cambio, done by two designers, Forma Fantasma, Italian, that I, I think they, they tell a lot of new generation I want uh, and, uh, and, and generation, um, they are regenerating um, Italia. And the, the Cambio was an exhibition they did in Serpentine Gallery in, in London, but arrived the, the quarantine and nobody could see it, or quite a few. Even me, I couldn't go. Then now they are redoing in Prato, in another place. Uh, the, this uh, cambio means change. You know, the content is changed. Then I think, uh, obviously, uh, um, we have to find the energy from many sides. And I think from one side, art is always a very good vector to make us feel, I don't say confident, but to to, to make us feel the, the positivity or the energy of what can be a change. Thank you to Patrizia and the entire team at her studio and Casina for making this happen. A special thanks to Marlene Capron from Carla Otto. The editor of this episode is Stan Hall. Transcriptions are by Kara Johnson. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Grand Tourist. To keep this going, please follow me on Instagram at Dan Rubenstein to learn more. And don't forget to follow The Grand Tourist on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen and leave us a rating or comment. Every little bit helps. Till next time.